Why don't you open your Bibles with me and go to uh, the book of Psalms, and I want you to have a copy of God's Word in front of you, so if you don't have a Bible, our ushers are coming around right now, you can just get their attention, they would love to give you one, or you can follow along with us on the Bible app, and uh, we are going to be in Psalm 95, Psalm 95 today, and we are continuing this series uh, where we are pursuing the mission, pursuing the mission. This is, this, this is uh, uh, at the beginning of a ministry year, we're trying to kick it off and, and kind of get refocused and, and just recommitted to the things that God has called us to. And, and so I um, wanted to put, uh, let me put our mission statement up here on the screen. And uh, let me just give you fair warning. It's entirely possible uh, that I may uh, give you a pop quiz in, in the near future uh, to see how well you know our mission statement, because we want to get this down. I want this uh, to be something this isn't something we just have because you're supposed to have one like this drives everything we do that our mission is to glorify God by making disciples of all nations as we live in loving community okay so let me give you a chance to uh, say that with me Uh, that way this is going to help you get it memorized that way if I were to pull a pop quiz on you you would be ready for this so let's say this together our mission is to glorify God by making disciples of all nations as we live in loving community. That is what we're trying to get after. That's what we do as a church. If you want to know uh, the DNA of Fairfax Bible Church and, and, and what it is that we're really all about, look no further than our mission statement and our six pursuits. All right, we'll, we'll put these up here on the screen because we want you to see these. This is why we're here, trying to define why we're here and what we are doing. And these uh, six pursuits, this is how we pursue the mission. These are our, our characteristics that we want to be true of us as a church. We're not pretending like we've got this down, like we don't have to go out work at this anymore. These are things that we're pursuing in of themselves because this helps us accomplish the mission. And so uh, we've been taking some weeks to look at this and we're preaching through it. So now you know uh, what we're preaching through in the next few weeks. All right, so don't pick and choose which Sundays you want to show up at. Uh, But we have, uh, uh, over two weeks ago, we looked at uh, fervent prayer uh, because we know we're not going anywhere without the Lord. We need to be on our knees, and and, and we uh, want to be a praying church expecting God to work and asking uh, for him to do a work in and through us. Last week, we looked at bold preaching, uh, just an expectation that every Sunday when you gather here together, we're going to open our Bibles. We're going to focus on Jesus. We're going to depend on the Holy Spirit. Uh, We want to hear from God. That's a pretty sweet thing. And so we're committed to bold preaching uh, this week. Today, we are looking at passionate worship. Passionate worship. Now, here's the deal. I, I, I know, like, instantly what goes into your mind uh, is singing, and I'm glad of that. Uh, but I don't want you to just think about passionate worship as Music, okay? Worship is really uh, an appropriate response to who God is and what he has done. And so, yes, we, we express that in our singing and in our, in our praise to him, but it's also our, our whole lives that we want him to get the glory. We are passionate about the glory of God. Now, here's the thing you have to understand about passionate worship. You can't fake it. It does not happen if we're you know, just kind of going through the motions, God sees right through that if it's not really coming out of a, a, a genuine desire and a love for him. He can tell. I think about like uh, my beautiful wife, Carissa. I love her so much. And, and uh, if 
I were to just kind of go through the motions with her and, you know, just assume that she knows how much she means to me without saying it or uh, it was like her birthday a couple weeks ago. So if I was just like, hey, here's a, here's a gift. It's your birthday. I'm supposed to do that. Like, how, how, how do you think that's going to go over? Not so hot, right? She deserves way more than that. She, she's she's uh, better than that. And, and, and I don't know, guys, I don't know about you, but um, my wife can tell when I'm doing things if it's really uh, because I love her and, and, and it's really coming from the heart. It's the same thing with the Lord. He, he sees what's on the inside, and, and, and this is really kind of a heart check for us then because he knows what's going on inside of us on Sunday mornings and even uh, throughout the week. And the question is, are we going to be a church that passionately worships God? Is our heart in it? Is it genuine? Is it overflowing uh, from, from a, a deep desire and a love for God? So we're going to see that in Psalm 95. Let me give you a, a big idea of this text before we uh, jump into it. If you're taking notes, uh, here, here's the big idea I want you to get. The Lord is calling us to passionately worship him with joyful and submissive hearts. He wants our hearts. He wants to know that our hearts are full of joy and that we are uh, submitted to him. So Psalm 95 historically has been a, a, a call to worship for the church, but it's also uh, kind of a caution for us to make sure that our hearts are in the right place. Uh, so let me uh, look at this, and then we'll try to uh, dig into this and see uh, what it's really saying for us this morning. Psalm 95 says this, Oh, come, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, uh, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massah in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For 40 years I loathed that generation and said, there are people who go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter my rest. God, we want to make sure that our, um, our hearts bow before you, that, that we kneel um, in humble submission, and, and that, that this is true. God, we're just confessing that you know us. Um, you made us. And you know everything there is about us. You, you know if there's a, a, a word on our tongue, your word says you, you know it before we even speak it. And you know every hair on our head. In my case, that's not a lot. But, uh, Lord, you know everything about us. And, and we're so thankful for that. And we're thankful for the intimacy of that knowledge. And yet, God, we open ourselves up. We, uh, we, we, we want to lay our hearts bare before you. We pray, as the psalmist says, that, that, that you would search us, O oh God, and know my heart and, and, and try us and see if there be any wicked way in us and lead us in the way everlasting. God, if there's something in, in, in my heart, if there's something in our hearts here this morning that, that is not pleasing to you, I pray that you would do a work there. I pray that you would root that out so that, so that when we worship you, it's genuine, it's real, 
because we love you. And there's joy and, and there's submission to you. And God, we're trying to work out our, our salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it is you who is working in us, both to will and to work for your good pleasure. So God, would you do that work in us again today? And, and I pray that we would just be a church that um, it, it is abundantly clear that the one thing that we're after is your glory. You deserve it. You're a great God. So we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, let me give you, um, I see three invitations. Three invitations to passionate worship here today. Here's one if you're taking notes. Uh, there's an invitation to sing praise to our Savior. Sing praise to our Savior, and that's an invitation you see right there in verse 1. I love this. We're going to kind of break this down a little bit. Verse 1, he says, oh, Come, love that word. That word is a command. It's an imperative. It's kind of an invitation to action and participation. Basically what he's saying is, hey, you, yeah, you, you this is for you. Come be a part of this. Take place in this. Don't just, don't just sit back and be a, a, a spectator. We are, we are not uh, consumers who just come to sit back and watch. God's word is, is moving us. It's time for action. And I think this is so appropriate for us in our, in our context, in our culture, because we're so used to, uh, you know, being entertained that sometimes that kind of spills into the weekend. When we uh, show up even in church, we can kind of come with this attitude of like, well, you know, uh, what, what, what's in it for me? What am I, I going to get out of this today? But in just one word, the psalmist just flips the expectation for what should be happening in the church and calls us to action. Do you get that? And when we show up here together... We've got something to do today. In fact, um, we, we meet in a middle school, and, and I'm really thankful for this space. God has been really good to us. Uh, it's not always ideal, okay? And, and so there are times where we've looked around and we've tried to look at other uh, facility options and checked out some things. And at one point, I think maybe a, like a year ago, uh, we went and we were checking out um, a movie theater, one of the movie theaters uh, nearby. And uh, quite honestly, it was, it, they were asking uh, too much money for us to be able to get into there. Uh, uh, and, and it was a cool space, honestly, like big rooms, got a screen, you know, it's like really, really cool. But there was one major problem besides the price tag. Uh, they have... Many of you know this. They've replaced all of the chairs with recliners. Okay? I can only imagine just how focused on Jesus y'all would be. Like, we're trying to sing and, and preach, and you guys are like sprawled out, like kicked back, taking naps. on So no, we are not moving into a movie theater. And uh, quite honestly, as we were thinking about it, 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 the space just didn't fit the purpose of what we come to do. You'll, you'll notice, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for that, uh, most of y'all didn't come in your comfy pants today ready for your Sunday afternoon nap already, and, and, and we're not selling popcorn and snacks in the lobby so that you can come uh, kick back and just enjoy this as if we're putting on a show for your consumption. Phil and I and the worship team, we, we know, we're honestly, we're just not that entertaining. That's not why we came. We, I know we have coffee in the lobby, but that's for those of you who know that you need a little bit of an extra kick because we want you to be able to wake up and get into high gear when you come in here because we have something to do today. This is a call to action, but, but it's not just you singularly because look at what it says. He says, oh, come, let us 
So, so, so there's a, a, a corporate aspect to this. It's, it's an invitation to participate in a group of people that are ready for action. Be a part of what's happening here. We want you to participate and be a part of what we are doing together as a church. Uh, again, man, this rubs against our, uh, our culture and the way that we think about and process life. We're so individualistic that everything just kind of goes through me and my world and what I got going on. And, and, and so I think it's actually kind of healthy for us to remember that we're not doing this alone. Uh, this, yes, we want you to, you know, we want it to be personal. We want you to remember that, that like, God loves me and that, 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 that Jesus died on the cross for me, uh, but but. We don't want you to have an individualistic focus where it's all about me or, or, or that it's just, you know, just, just me and God. Like, I just got my relationship with God. Don't need anybody else. That's, that's just not the way it works. Because he's placed us in a family and we are all part of the created order, which is why Scripture is saying, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And not even just the things that have breath. Let all of creation, the trees and the fields and the mountains and the, and the oceans and the heavens, all of it is designed to declare the glory of God. So there is an expectation then for, for you and I that, that we would gather together in a church family, in a local church, and the church is called to worship. It's a reminder for us when we gather together, hey, hey, God deserves our praise, and he's calling us to this, and we all should be doing this together. Now, I'm going to pull the curtain back a little bit and show you uh, how we think through, and, and I'm so thankful for Phil and all the work that he does in, in helping us put together uh, what the service is going to look like because there's actually kind of a, a flow to this. There's, there's a little a bit of progression that we oftentimes are, are leading through. We start often with a call to worship. And the call to worship is what the psalmist is going to say. Hey, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. There's a, there's a sense of, hey, come on, let's, let's do this together. God deserves this. We want to worship. And, and so this morning, the very first song we sang, we sang words like this. Open up the heavens because we want to see you. So, so our focus is on Christ, but we're thinking about our, our, uh, the, the pronouns and, and who's talking and who are we talking to. And there's this sense in which we're saying, we want to see you. You're the reason we're here. You're the reason we are singing. Show us your glory. It's kind of a reminder for us as we sing these words, like, hey, God deserves our praise. Let's do this. It, it is good. Let's focus on him, but let's, let's do it together. So he says, oh, come, let us. We're, we're, we've, we've got something to do. What, what are we supposed to do? Look at it, verse 1. Oh, come, let us Sing. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. So two months ago, um, we actually, while we were going through uh, Exodus, we got into Exodus chapter 15 after God had uh, parted the Red Sea, and uh, we preached on singing, Exodus chapter 15. And uh, there we noted that oftentimes singing, singing can be kind of awkward, okay? And, and, and I realized for some of you, uh, Sunday morning, might actually be the only time that you're singing throughout the week at all. Uh, un unless you're one of those people that is prone to uh, singing in the shower, or you're the guy who gets caught by the other guy in the car next to you while you're, you know, belting it out and jamming to the radio. Anybody confess? Confess? Yes, yes, okay. Awkward. Yes, yeah, so that, that's, those, these are kind of a little bit of an awkward moment, but what a sweet thing singing is. 
Singing is an instrument that unleashes our thoughts and emotions. It connects our minds and our hearts and, and communicates what we believe and what we know to be true. But it's way more than just cognitive. It's also emotional and it involves our, our spirit. And what a, what a sweet thing that God would give us. It's an incredible tool for us to express genuine praise and adoration to God. And God gave us this tool with an expectation that we will use it. It's actually commanded for us that we're going to sing. So I'm just going to tell you, this is what we do. We worship here. And this is not, we, we don't have some songs because we need some filler time. Uh, this, this is what we do. We said to you last week as we were I'm preaching, I'm preaching. Preaching is not the main event here. God's glory is the main event. And so we're going to praise him. Now, I want to be as, as loving and as gentle as I can when I say this, and I mean this. Um, I'm praying that the Lord helps me be gentle in this. Can, can you make singing a priority and give it your all? Make this a priority. Where, where we're going to come and, and, and what we're, when we're putting these things together, there's, there's thought that flows into this, and, and we don't want you to miss any of that, any of it. So this is not a slight on those of you who may have been a little bit late this morning, uh, but uh, you're, you and like half the church, that's okay, so like don't feel too guilty, uh, but don't, don't miss it. Come early. That's why we have some coffee. We're trying to help you. We're trying to help you wake up and get connected and, and be reminded that we're doing this together and then come in with, with, with full of expectation and, and just ready to sing. We are going to sing because God deserves this, but here's how we do it. Look at verse 1. He says, uh, we, we want to come, let us sing to the Lord and make a joyful noise. In fact, he repeats that in verse 2. Make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. That, that word to make a joyful noise literally means to shout, sound the alarm. It means to rejoice and to cheer. There is no doubt about it. This word means loud and excited. In fact, the, the, the biblical narrative example of this word uh, we find in Joshua, Joshua chapter 6, this word is repeated multiple times in there. You know the story. Uh, the children of Israel are walking around the walls of Jericho, and on the seventh day they walk around it seven times, and then God commands them to what? Yell! Now, do you think that they did that, like, subtle and subdued? Like, hey. Like, no, God's saying, yell, let it out. You don't have to use your inside voices. Make it loud. And the modern e example of uh, this word happens in a stadium. And uh, because I'm a Browns fan, I know that you Redskins fans are also not super familiar with the noise that erupts at a stadium when your team scores a touchdown to win the Super Bowl. But, so I had, to go, I had to go elsewhere. And I found an example of this this week because there were some events that happened on Tuesday at Nationals Park in D.C. And, and somebody actually caught video of this. And I don't know who this was. Uh, but uh, maybe this will help demonstrate what God means. Watch this. Oh, I love it. 
love it. That is fantastic. This is when, and, and, and Phil just had to love that I put that in there for him, him being a Marlins fan. This is when Trey Turner hit a grand slam on Tuesday to send the Nationals to uh, the playoffs, all right? And this man, I don't know who he was, but he just demonstrated brilliantly this Hebrew word for us. Make a joyful noise. All right, you know what this means? It means uh, there's an expectation for our singing then, that we're gonna turn up the volume. There should be enthusiasm and excitement in our worship. Now listen, listen, I, I realize that for some of you, uh, th th this is going to be uh, maybe expressed a little less demonstrably than others. I get that, I understand that, but I think all of us, no matter what your personality is, we need to grow in our excitement and our passion to worship the Lord. And, 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 and I also know that there are, there, there are times where we, we need an appropriate uh, a moment of thoughtful, um, quiet reflection. And we want to have a spirit of reverence and a spirit of, of, of awe and even times of repentance before the Lord. And that is so good for us to have. But I want to tell you that every Sunday it is right for us to turn it up and let him hear our praise. Why? Why? Because our hearts are full of joy and celebration. It's time to celebrate. What, 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 are, we, what are we celebrating? Well, look at the end of verse 1 there. The end of verse 1 says uh, that we're to make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. We are, we are moved with emotion when we see who he is and what he has done for us. And the rock was a metaphor of strength and stability and protection. And for us, the rock is Jesus. And so it's the victory of Jesus, the victory of the cross and the empty tomb that we are celebrating. And so literally every single Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. That's, that's why the, 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 the early church then moved their gathering time to Sundays instead of the Jewish Sabbath day, which happens on a Saturday, because it was on the first day of the week that after Jesus had died on the cross, three days later, he rose from the grave. And I can think of nothing that could give us more excitement and, and give us cause to just let go of any inhibition that would cause us to, you know, be embarrassed or whatever, and, and just let it out and with a shout of praise, Jesus, our Savior, is is alive. Praise God. So when we gather together on Sundays, it's time to celebrate. And so we sing songs of, of praise, and we're going to be loud. We're going to do it with joy in our hearts because we want to be passionate in our worship. He says, verse 2, let us, let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. We, we, we get to come into the presence of God, and we don't have to we don't have to go to a temple. We don't have to make a spiritual pilgrimage. We don't have to, you know, this is not limited to a special church building or a specific location that you got to fit in. In fact, Jesus in John chapter 4, he's talking to the woman at the well, and, you know, she's kind of debating with him a little bit. And, well, you say we need to worship in Jerusalem, but we think it's on this mountain. And he says, it's not about location. He says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. It's not about where. In Hebrews Chapter 10 says, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Here's the reality. We have no business being in the presence of God. We're undeserving sinners. But Jesus purchased our forgiveness with his blood 
on the cross. And he gives us his righteousness so that right now, right now, right here, we could stand before the presence of God having been made holy, having been made righteous, and enjoy a relationship with him and call him Father even though we're unworthy. We do not deserve that. And so I think when we come in to gather on a Sunday morning, we should be coming in just saying, thank you, Lord. And not, not thinking, well, what am I going to get out of this? Is this, do I like this? Is, is, is this what I really want to hear this morning? I think this is why there's a, there's a progression. And, and even this morning, we, we turned, and, and even after a, a call to worship where we've got our, our we songs, where we're reminding us, hey, let's do this together, that then we, we turn to how this impacts my life. And we sang um, words like, I needed rescue. My sin was heavy. But when you called my name, I ran out of that grave. And, and we personalize the gospel. Like this is true in, in my heart. And I want to praise God with you because we have been saved by the grace of God. And God is looking for hearts that are just filled with gratitude and genuinely full of joy in that. It's our theology that fuels our doxology. It's what we know about God that compels us to really worship him. And so I'm, I'm thankful again. Um, Phil takes so much time to be careful in what we sing. And, and oftentimes, uh, even in the office, he'll come to me and he's like, hey, I got this song, what do you think about this? And we'll, we'll talk through, and sometimes there's a couple of lyrics, like, I don't know, like, does that, is that really, uh, is that really what God's word says? And, and a lot of times we've had a couple of conversations where it's like, if it's not clear, it's just not worth it, because we want to sing things that really reflect the truth of scripture. Be careful that what we're singing is uh, accurate in its doctrine, because it's our theology then that fuels our worship of Christ which leads us to the second invitation. The second invitation, if you're taking notes, note this. We, we can come and consider the greatness of our king and creator. Come and consider the greatness of our, our king and creator. He just goes on and, and, and gives us more reasons to sing his praise. Verse 3, he says, For the Lord is a great God. Not like, eh, he's okay. No, he's a great God. He is remarkable. He's out of the ordinary, and, 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 and if we're not in awe of him, if we're not convinced of his greatness and, and, and compelled to worship him, then there's nothing wrong with him, but there's something drastically wrong with our perspective. God is great. He says he is a, a great king above all gods. And I know for us that we read that and we're like, well, that sounds weird. Like, are there other gods? Like, this, this is not an argument against monotheism, okay? There really is only one God. But the psalmist is referring to uh, other created beings, uh, things that we would know as uh, demonic spiritual forces, and, and, and what those spiritual forces are doing is trying to lure people away into false worship. In the next psalm, in Psalm 96, kind of clarifies for us that all the gods of the people are worthless idols. That's what they are. They're just worthless idols. And so I realize... Um, even though you, you, it's probably unlikely that you have little stone or wooden figurines that you light candles to and, and bow down to and pray to in your house, but that doesn't mean that, that we're not uh, tempted to put other things above God in prominence and importance in our lives and make them idols that we worship. 
And God's going to see right through it if we walk in on a Sunday to tell him that we think he's great when on Monday to Saturday we're living like something else is better. So there's things that, that we um, are tempted to look to for happiness or for satisfaction, be it you know, money and having more money so that we can have kind of a comfortable lifestyle or, or, or conveniences and wants and desires, things that, that I'm uh, wanting God to give me or approval and popularity and just having uh, people in my life that like me or, or, or companionship and finding love and uh, romance or uh, you know, success and, and, and respect at work and whatever it can be. It can be good things, but what he's trying to help us understand is that Jesus is better. He's the great king above all gods. He is superior. He is incomparable. Which is why I think it's so important for us to be here, gathering together every week on Sunday mornings, and, and, and also getting together with our small group uh, during the week. Because what, what happens is we, we, we get away from the things that we know are true, and we get away from spending time in God's word, and we're out in the world, we're doing our thing, and then we, we start getting the taste of the world in our mouth, and we start thinking, like, this is what I want. And we need to be brought back to the truth and just be reminded that, no, no, he is better. And to genuinely worship him means that he's your king, that he comes first, that, that, that we want him. He's a great God. He says, verse 4, that, that in his hands are the depths of the earth, the the heights of the mountains are his also. The, the, the sea is his for him. He just starts describing uh, creation, that, that, that he is the creator. And I know many of you love to get out in creation. In fact, on Monday, we uh, spent a day where we went to Ocean City in Maryland and just enjoying the beach we love. In fact, we actually saw like 20 or 30 dolphins, and some of them were like jumping out of the water. It was, it was just awesome. And I know uh, some of you guys have been uh, going apple picking out in the mountains and just, just enjoying. God's creation from the mountains to the ocean, right? And I realize that for some of you, uh, you, you kind of prefer one or the other, which is okay. Uh, I'm just curious, how many of you are, are the beach bums? We got any beach bums in here? Yeah, I know you. And, and how many of our mountain men and our mountain women? Yes, all right. All right, so here's the deal. What he's trying to say to us, he's putting it all out there and saying, all of us can stand in awe of his beauty and his creation. He is an awesome God. And I think before he writes this, the psalmist had to go outside and, and spend some time looking around and, and, and also walking around his, his community and his culture and considering the greatness of our king and, and, and our creator, the one who made all of this. And, and, and the way it works for us is that God has, God has revealed himself to us in his word. And so I think that if we have our Bibles open and we're reading this, it's going to help us make sense when we're looking up and we're looking around at what we're seeing. Help us to realize that our God is better. Our God is a great God and nothing compares. So these truths, I think, are helping reorient our hearts so that we want his glory more than anything. And if I can encourage you, if, if, uh, there, if there is anything else that's vying for your attention, vying for your passion, just lay that down. Let it go. If you've been more focused on things like your future or your career, laying awake at night with anxiety or putting your hopes in, 
in the possibility of, of better circumstances and changes that you want to happen in your life or um, finally finding that relationship and, or you know, comforting yourself with buying things that you want, living outside of your means or waiting and, and stressing about that promotion that might you know, change your world and, or, or trying to find a job that you like or whatever it is. Can I just consider the greatness of God and put him first? Pursue him more than anything. Because he's better. And he has made you to find joy in him. Let me give you our third invitation that I think we see here. The third invitation is that we could come bow before our shepherd. Come bow before our shepherd. Here's what, here's what he says, verse 6. Come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, that's a, a, a physical posture, but I think he's not as concerned with whether our knee actually touches the ground as he is the posture of our hearts, right? And we've already said it, God knows whether it's real or not. So when God looks inward, is he gonna see that we have hearts that are, that are humble, that are submitted to him, that we, we, we get on our knee and say, you're the king, whatever you want. We, we want that. We want to be obedient to you. For he is our God, verse 7. We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. There's, I love this. It's just kind of a, a personal relationship. He is our God. And we are his sheep. We have a relationship with him now. And, and, and you guys know this, that the, the idea of a sheep is not necessarily flattering for us. Sheep are um, dependent creatures and uh, need a shepherd to look out for them and lead them if they're going to survive. It's one of the things that we've been looking at as we've been studying Psalm 23 in our small groups and, and, and seeing that the fulfillment of that is actually in John chapter 10 where Jesus says that he is the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. And Jesus tells us that, that he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Jesus is the one who, who provides for us, who protects us, who is leading us. And so here's what this means. This means that we can worship the Lord, not just, by, not just by singing, not just by making music, but by living in submission and following him in obedience. Because he wants way more than, than just your enthusiasm and your participation on a Sunday morning when the band starts playing. He wants you to follow him on Monday and on Tuesday, he wants all of you that, that you would follow him. And the only way you're going to do that is if your heart is really in the right place. Which is why the psalm ends with a warning here. Verse 7, he says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massah in the wilderness. And some of you are reading that, you're like, well, I feel like I've heard that. We've actually been here recently when we were preaching through the book of Exodus we reached Exodus chapter 17 after God had powerfully saved Israel out of slavery in Egypt and miraculously provided for them while they were in the wilderness. And after all of that, they, they're, they're still, they chose to whine and complain about uh, not having enough uh, water to drink and not believing that God is faithful, that God is good, that he is capable of leading them. And so they chose not to trust him and they tested him instead at uh, Meribah and at Massah and really just showing that their hearts were Hard, just like Pharaoh's, God's enemy. And this psalm is actually kind of reminding us that there were some pretty devastating consequences for that. They had to 
wander around the wilderness for 40 years and they didn't get to enter the promised land and experience God's rest, but here's what it means for us. Uh, I think apart from Jesus, you and I are going to suffer the same fate. Man, you're, you're going to be uh, tempted this week to do it your way. Uh, fix it yourself. Stay focused on um, yourself and, 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 and what you want and, and complain when things don't go your way, but still keep chasing after other things to make you happy because uh, Hebrews 3 tells us that our hearts can be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We, we can actually start to think that sin, that, that looks better, or at least it just looks easier. And, and I think I'd just rather do it my way and not believe that Jesus really is a good shepherd that I can trust and follow. So that's a legit question. Is he good? Can you trust him? Are we saying this, that Jesus is the shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. He's so good. And he's calling us to passionately worship him with joyful and submissive hearts. So the heart of worship is that we would make it all about him. We're going to sing in just a moment. I want to focus on Christ. We want to sing, turn our hearts to him. But right now I think it would be good for us to just do some business with the Lord. So I want to encourage you right where you're at in the quietness of your heart to just pray. And, and pray that um, our, this is going to be true of us, that this is going to be real. It's going to be genuine that you would really love him. Pray and ask God to fill your heart with joy. You just open yourself up and say, Lord, if there's something in my heart, I, I just I want you to root that out. I want to be thankful for what you've accomplished for me on the cross. And I want to submit to you. I want to follow you. Just spend a moment praying that God is going to do a work in your heart so that we really do passionately worship him together. God, I pray that you'd take us to the mat if that's what we need, that you would um, wrestle out the, the rebellious sin that still wants to focus on ourselves and do it our way and run after other things. And, but we want to passionately worship you, but we want that to be true, not just on Sunday morning when we sing, but we want it to be true because we're giving our whole lives to you, that we would follow you in submission, knowing that you're a, you're a good shepherd.
hearts. We praise you that you would do that. What a, what a beautiful thing that our shepherd would be like a lamb led to the slaughter for us. So we want to be a church that lifts high the name of Jesus. We make it all about you because you deserve the praise. And it's in your son's name I pray.